ultimately my goal is to get everyone awakened to who we really are and being able to create what we really want in life. And pretty much everybody wants a healthy family, a healthy environment, you know, clear relationships that, that are loving. And, you know, that's the society I want to help create. Fear stops us from achieving our true greatness. Are you a professional woman who is feeling stuck, unmotivated, or burned out? Are you worried about your wellness? Are you letting fear stop you from crushing your goals? If you answered yes to any or all of these, then this is the podcast for you. Dr. Charmaine Gregory, night shift emergency physician, burnout thriver, and wellness champion, along with everyday heroes just like you, will explore how to face fear in our lives and emerge victoriously. Dr. Gregory here. Did you know that I'm on YouTube as well? You can find me at Charmaine Gregory, MD. See you there. There. Hello, 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 Fearless Freedom Tribe. This is Dr. G, and we are back for another exciting episode of Fearless Freedom with Dr. G. And this week, we have the incredible Lion Goodman with us, and he is going to tell us all about who he is and what he is up to. All right. Well, there's a, there's a lot to tell. So I appreciate you're giving me the opportunity to introduce myself because usually someone else introduces me. So now I have to think about who am I really? And that's the question I've been asking my whole life. So it's a perfect opportunity for me to look inside and say, okay, what is this person? What, what do I do? Um, my focus is on consciousness and consciousness change. And this was a passion that began really early in my life, uh, back when I was in elementary school. And I thought, I think about myself more than those other kids think about themselves. <laughs> and uh, then I went on to study many different things, including uh, neurology, psychology, uh, different forms of physical healing and psychological healing. And uh, over a period of time, over 100 workshops and trainings that I was taking in order to understand who I am and what what am I doing here and who are we as human beings and what are we doing here and what is it about people that makes them do the crazy things they do uh, including get sick and get ill and die and get into fights and wars so uh, it had me studying everything from history and philosophy to dance and music so it's very wide education and what I saw and noticed through all that time is that, first of all, I was trying to fix myself because I thought there was something wrong with me. Mm. That was a very early belief that I had. And so I was going out, I figured, well, if I can fix myself, then I'll be like those other people and I'll be normal. And uh, the good news is after 45 years of trying, I've never become normal. So <laughs> <laughs> that's the good news. Uh, uh, and also during that time, I realized that when there was a big shift in me, whatever I was doing, whatever therapeutic process I was doing, um, that the really big ones, the ones that worked really well, were along with a change in my belief structure. That if my beliefs changed, then everything changed. My perception changed. My, my opportunities changed. Possibilities changed. Thoughts and feelings changed. Uh, relationships changed. 
So I started studying beliefs themselves. What are they? Where do they come from? How do they function? And how do you change them? And so that was another 10-year research project. And finally came to the best reasons why we have beliefs, what they do for us, what they do against us, and how to change them. And now I teach a methodology for healing the psyche to people all over the world. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> I mean, that's quite a journey. And I love that it started when you were so young, when you had a, like your existential crisis at an early age, and then that led you down such an incredible path. Now, I love also that you said you were trying to be quote unquote normal. And then you found out that that just wasn't possible. I love that. Because, yeah, you know, was it what's normal. And, yeah, yeah right. what's normal, right? Yeah. So no, that's great. And so now you're teaching this methodology all over the world. Um, how did you, so I guess you have to tell us, we understand the journey, like how you got the education, but then how did you go from the acquisition of knowledge to the application of the knowledge? How did that happen? That's a great question. Uh, first of all, I've always been practical of mind. In fact, my first true teacher, my first great teacher said, you have to apply whatever you're studying to yourself. That makes it relevant. And it also is endlessly interesting because if you're studying physics, you're studying the physics of yourself. If you're studying history, you're studying the history of yourself and your tribe and your the world. If you're studying physiology in the brain, you're studying your own brain. So I was lucky to have been pointed in that direction. And then there was always an interest, as I said, in fixing myself. So it was always like, what can I do? What's the practical application of this good idea that I just heard? And how can I make it work for me? And it turns out that it also works for others. So once I came to my own understanding, I began teaching this, this methodology to other people. And I now have over 600 graduates around the world of my Clear Beliefs coach training. So that gives me great joy to spread this, the synthesis that I put together so that other people can go to their clients and get and produce transformation very quickly and profoundly and rapidly and permanently. Wow. That's awesome. And so the, the how the coaching program and how um, everything looks today, is that been like, uh, is that been part of the last 10 year process or how, because 600 is a lot of people, right? I mean, that you've changed their lives to get a transformation to happen in one person is difficult enough, but to have it happen in 600 people, I'm just curious about the timeline of how that transpired. I started teaching this one method that I, that I kind of got downloaded into me from spirit. I thought, oh, that's really cool. That that could work. And then it did work to actually change beliefs at the core of the psyche. And so I thought, this is a great tool. And I began teaching it as a tool that you could use anytime with anyone, anytime, including with yourself. And that was a four-hour workshop that I taught to, to a couple hundred people. Um, but then I realized, oh, well, it could also use this other aspect of self and this other aspect. And it's now grown into a 25-week 100-hour training with study and practice that results in certification. And it's accredited by by two organizations for coaches. So it's been a, an accumulation and it keeps getting tweaked because it's a living, breathing 
um, school of knowledge. So a, a student may bring in something that they discovered and we go, oh, good, let's add that to the training. So it keeps okay. getting bigger and okay. my staff keeps trying to thin it down. <laughs> it's oh, a, is that right? It's overwhelming. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I mean, 25 weeks is pretty robust. So that's, uh, that's awesome. It is. That is awesome. So 600 individuals have been transformed and, uh, and it sounds like they are themselves coaches. Am I, am yes, I hearing coaches. that right? That's right. Okay. Coaches, therapists, healers, uh, uh, consultants, and they use this technology first to heal themselves, but then to heal their clients. So it spreads out in ripples. And that's what oh, nice. feels so nice. good is to see the technology rippling out into the society. Ultimately, my goal is to get everyone awakened to who we really are and being able to create what we really want in life. And pretty much everybody wants a healthy family, a healthy environment, you know, clear relationships that, that are loving. And, you know, that's the society I want to help create. Awesome. Love it. And then, so, you know, so we talked a little bit about how, you know, how things began for you. I am curious where along the pathway did fear play a role? Uh, well, there's a particular incident that I, I've talked about a lot. It's been written up and published widely, and there's even been a film made about it. Um, that was a moment where I had to choose between fear and love. And I'd be happy to share that incident with you if you'd like. Absolutely. Okay. I was 26 years old and I was kind of lost. I didn't really know what to do because nobody was hiring people with degrees in consciousness studies, which is what I had graduated with in 1975. Um, and so I was traveling around as a salesman on the road, selling jewelry and gift items to stores around the Southwest U.S. Uh, and I'd always stop and help people whose cars had broken down or, you know, just I was a nice guy, a good Samaritan on the road. Right? And I was traveling, traveling from Las Vegas to L.A. through the Mojave Desert. And there was this guy whose car had broken down in the middle of the desert. And it was about 110 degrees outside. So I stopped and said, you know, can I help you? And he said, yeah, I just put $200 into her and she's dead and I don't know what to do. And I said, well, I'm heading into LA. Do you want to ride? And he looked at me kind of funny and he said, yeah, okay. And I was driving this big van that was fitted out like an RV. And so he brought his stuff into the van and we, I started driving and we started talking and he was kind of an odd duck, but I took him under my wing. And over a period of three days, uh, I grew to trust him and sent him on errands with the van and that kind of thing. Uh, the third night out, we were out in the middle of nowhere near a reservoir and I was moving things around in the back of the van and suddenly there was an explosion and something hit me in the head and I thought maybe the gas stove had exploded and I looked up and it was intact and I looked to my left and there he was with a gun pointed at my head with his hand propped up on the back seat and I realized he'd shot me yeah that was my reaction too <laughs> what the hell um what? and my first instinct was that he was warning me that he wanted my stuff and at that moment all i could say is it's all yours take right. everything take leave me naked outside in the desert nope just fine it's all yours you know there was nothing more valuable than my life at that moment sure and then he shot again what and i realized he's not warning me he's going to kill me and this, I'm going to die because there was nothing I could do. I was stuck in a cramped position at the back of the van, nothing to defend myself with. He was in the front of the van. 
you know, maybe nine or 12 feet away with his hand propped up. So I knew what the score was <laughs> that, that, uh, you know, I was, I was going to die. And so since I knew I was going to die, I had studied spirituality and death and dying. And so I said, well, I don't want to die unhappy or angry or upset. So I want to die with love in my heart. So I kind of opened up to love. And then I also didn't want to die with anything left undone in my life. So I went back through my history and I asked for forgiveness from any anyone I had hurt. And I asked and I gave forgiveness to anyone who had hurt me. And I was sort of floating in this loving space. And he shot a third time. And the second and third bullets missed me by fractions of an inch. But obviously I jumped. And and then I went, okay, well, I'm I'm about to take off. So I'll so I was out of my body, kind of looking up, going, okay, parents, I'm coming home. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and but I was filled with this loving light and um, kind of bliss, really. Uh, and then he shot again. And the fourth bullet hit me and sent my head flying to the side. And all this blood was rushing down out of my head. And uh, what surprised me is I was back in my body. I thought I would be out of my body. I was halfway out anyway. I was kind of looking down at this little van with this amusing scene going on. <clears throat> and But I was back in my body and I felt intact. I'd studied neurology and, and physiology. So I knew that something ought to be missing. You know, I didn't know where the bullet had gone through me, but I figured something ought to be missing, but I couldn't find anything missing. My mental body was intact. My spiritual body intact. My physical body seemed to be intact, although my head hurt like hell. Um, and so I thought, well, if I'm here back in my body, I want to look this man in the eyes and see my assassin, you know, in the eyes. And so I picked up my head and I turned and looked at him and he freaked out and he jumped up and down and he said, why aren't you dead, man? You're supposed to be dead. Wow. And I didn't have an answer for that question. So oh, I was still in this blissful love light space. And I just said, here I am. And he said, it's too weird, man. It's too weird. It's just like my dream. And I said, what dream? And he said, it was a dream I had this morning. I was shooting at this guy, but he and he wouldn't die. But it wasn't you. It was somebody else in the dream. And I thought, okay, this is weird. That is very weird. <laughs> yeah. Who's writing this script? You know, it's like I found myself in the middle of a movie and I'd never even read the script, you know. Uh, and so I thought, okay, well, he's that's strange enough that I'm back in my body, that he's had a dream where the guy wouldn't die. And here I am, you know, not dead. Uh, so I thought if I could talk to him, maybe I could, maybe he wouldn't shoot me if I could keep him talking. <clears throat> so now, I want to remind you that I was in this place of love and light and he was included in it so there was no fear there was just acceptance love god light you know everywhere and he was in he was in it so it it didn't require a lot for me to just talk to him gently and kindly and and try to get him to settle down because he was all adrenalated he was looking out the windows but we were out in the middle of nowhere um, and he was, he said, why aren't you dead? You're, I shot you four times in the head, man. Why aren't you dead? And of course, I didn't know the answer to that. So he, he got curious and then he came over and he looked at me and he said, does it hurt? The guy was all full of blood all over my face and, and body. And I said, well, yeah, it hurts, but I, I think I'm okay. 
And he said, and after some minutes of this, he said, okay, man, I'm going to take you to a hospital I know. And I said, okay, that sounds like a good idea. <laughs> so, my gosh. so he, he kind of put stuff around me so I couldn't jump him, you know, and he got in the front of the van and he took off. He started driving and I had time to think about what had just happened. I had, you know, it was, it was a reverie time. Like, wow, this is very strange. Uh, I thought I was going to be dead, but I'm not, this, you know what's happening and so he drove for a while i have no no idea how much time because time was like i was out of time at that at that moment <clears throat> and uh finally the van stopped and the engine turned off and i knew we weren't near a hospital because there were no bright lights oh it was dark outside and he came back and he sat next to where i was crouched down and with a gun in his hand he said i can't take you to the hospital man i have to kill you and I said, oh, why is that? <laughs> oh. <He> said, <laughs> because if I if I take you to the hospital, they'll put me back in jail. I can't go back to jail, man. And oh. I realized, oh, this person's not just a crazy person with a gun. It's a crazy ex-con with a gun. You know, like elevated the quality of whatever was happening. Uh, and so I said, well, maybe, maybe you don't have to take me to the hospital. Maybe I could drive myself. Or, you know, I was just kind of opening up the possibilities because that's what i do i open up possibilities and uh he said no i can't trust you man i can't trust you that if i take it to the hospital they'll put me back in jail and I, I can't go back and so we talked for a while and then i said you know i'm feeling really cramped here i'd like to get you know get out and stretch and he said okay because i could tell that he was starting to care about me it's like he didn't really want to kill me and so he let me out of the van and he, he pointed down the hill to a little pond and i walked down the hill and he was behind me with a gun. I thought, well, he could shoot me in the back and push me in the water, but I felt invincible. And so I squatted down and I washed off the blood from my face and my hands and I stood up and turned toward him. And he looked at me very strangely and he kind of held out the gun toward me. And he said, what would you do if I handed you this gun? I said, I'd throw it out there in the water. And he said, you, you wouldn't try to, you wouldn't shoot me? You wouldn't try to kill me? I said, no, why would I do that? I have my life. You have your life. Like, we're, it's okay. And he looked at me and he went, man, you are the strangest person I've ever met. <laughs> and I thought to myself, I'm probably the strangest person you'll ever meet. <laughs> so we went back to the van and, and continued to talk and figure out what could we do to get out of the situation where he didn't want to kill me, but he didn't want to go back to jail. And we ended up talking for hours and hours and hours. And I got him to talk about his background and how he got into this position and when he decided to do it. And he had decided at the very beginning, but then he, I kept being nice to him. And so he had a hard time pulling, but he pulled out the gun and pointed it at me a number of times when I was sleeping. And so I finally oh dear. Said, well, <laughs> this is when I knew I was not psychic, by the way. I thought I was psychic before, but I realized I am not psychic because I had no idea what this was going on. Um, anyway, so... Uh, uh it, it we we talked and talked and talked until we found a way to end it and finally i said look i will not turn you in if you never do anything like this again wow and he said okay and we shook hands and drove to a place that he knew and he got out of the van with his stuff and i shook his hand standing on the street i'm sure i was covered with bloody water. still <laughs> oh my and uh he looked at me strangely and i wished him well and went back and drove myself to the hospital, uh, UCLA. And uh, and the 
the ER doc, you know this well, the ER doc was looking at me and sewing up my scalp and saying, you're a lucky man, two bullets grazed you. Yes. Bounced off your skull. And I said, no, I'm a blessed man, not a, not a lucky man. So there's the story. And uh, people can read it on my website, lyongoodman.com. And at the end of the story, there's the link to the movie that was made, award-winning movie based on my story. Um, so that's my that was my 15 minutes of fame right there. Hey, it's Dr. G, and I just wanted to take a quick moment to thank you for listening to this episode. I'm so honored to have you here with me. Did you know that I can help you to get your own podcast started? With my podcasting launch course for professionals, I walk you through everything you need to know about starting a podcast. I'm with you every step of the way from sign up to launching your show with five episodes ready to go. There's a done for you version that's also available. If you would just rather just do recordings and leave the behind the scenes work up to us, then that one is definitely for you. But either way, we've got your back here at Fearless Freedom with Dr. G. Oh, if you already have a show and you need production services, we have monthly plans available for you. So check out the links in the episode show notes for more information. Let's get back to the show. That is incredible. I mean, I just, wow. Because to have the wherewithal to negotiate in that position, that's just incredible. That was a choice between, you know, anger or fear and love and acceptance, right? And that's the choice we have at every moment, no matter what's happening. Wow. That is definitely um, an incredible story. I'm like, still, I'm like, as you're talking, I'm envisioning, you know, being crouched down in the back of a van and, you know, having, you know, the blood like blocking my vision as I'm looking up at my, at, at my, uh, I don't want, I don't know. I guess he's kind of like uh, assailant. I don't know what you, what, what word you describe, <laughs> but like, you know, looking up at this person who is trying to end my life. And then trying to figure out how to have compassion for this person while I am on the brink of passing into the next life. It's, it's amazing. Like, it is amazing. Like, I cannot say that I would have responded the same way as you did. I think that that response was extremely unique and it really speaks to the work that you did previous to that. Because, you know, I'm sure had you not done all that deep work beforehand, you're probably probably wouldn't have the same story to tell. I probably wouldn't be around to tell that story. So, so. Which is incredible, right? Yeah. I mean, and, wow. And, and that that simply reinforced the fact that I was supposed to go and learn, study consciousness, spirit. Who are we? What, what are we doing here? I mean, it was such a shocking incident that it it sent me further into my own interests of what is the nature of human nature what's the nature of human motivation what's the nature of life itself on this planet 
And so I just studied everything I could. And in the meantime, I got a real job as a headhunter, which is kind of ironic. Don't you think that I was my head yes. was hunting, and then right. I became a headhunter. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and that became my career for 25 years um, as uh, finding people for jobs and for corporations. Uh, but weekends and, and evenings, I was doing workshops and shamanic practices and, you know, involving myself in everything I could study and try to understand this question of who are we? That's awesome. That's awesome. And so, Lion, you have to tell us the actual website address. Expel yes, my story, my story can be found on liongoodman.com. It's L-I-O-N, goodman, liongoodman.com. Uh, and it's under articles. It's Lion's near-death story. Nice, nice. Oh, man. Jeez. I mean, because I, I mean, I usually ask a lot of more stories, a lot of more questions about fear, but holy smokes, that really is like, I would say the epitome. Because I, I mean, like everybody listening, I'm sure, because I here I was sitting here and I'm like, I don't even know, like, oh my gosh, you're, you're in a closed space. You can't, there's no way to run. There's nowhere to go to. There's nothing to, no object to grab, to defend yourself. I mean, that is like the ultimate fear intense scenario right so what can you do other than surrender right and to and to nuts. pray yeah right so surrender and pray get with get with your god and get right with god you know that's perfectly good way of saying it whatever yeah. your form of source is you know is connect with that which is most holy and most perfect wow thank you for sharing that I, like welcome. I said, you know, I feel like I, I know that that impacted a lot of people today. So I really appreciate it. So, you know, when you're not, so are you still working as a headhunter or are you? No, I, I, I gave that up about 20 years ago. And since that okay. time, I've been teaching and coaching uh, other people and helping other people with their consciousness issues and their psychological issues and their physical issues and their relational okay. issues. Okay. All right. Awesome. 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 And then you said that you've been, is your program offered? Is it a virtual program or is it something where um, they have to go to a physical place to take it? My training for practitioners is online and live. So people, okay. we have live classes online and then we have practice sessions. Students practice with each other, each of the techniques so that they get to experience it as a client and clear their own beliefs and their own stuff out of the way. And then they get to practice as a coach and help other people and see how effective it is when you're helping someone else clear their stuff out of the way. And then there's also an observer position and supervisors. And it's a very intense program where you practice everything intensely. You learn a lot, you practice a lot, and you become skilled at using these technologies for transformation and also for therapy. It's a therapeutic process. We don't call it therapy. Uh, because we're not therapists, we're coaches, but it's very therapeutic. And we go back and we heal traumas from the past. We clear childhood wounds, bad programming from childhood. So we're doing a lot in memory. In psychology, it's called memory reconsolidation. We're going back and actually changing the memories of what happened, which releases the trauma. And, and it gives the person a, a new lease on life, basically. The, it's as if the trauma never happened or it happened, but 
where we're working is at the meaning-making layer of the mind, the belief layer, right? So something bad happened. My dad beat me up over and over again. And I came to some conclusions about that. And it's the conclusions like I'm a bad person or I'll never amount to anything or I'm a piece of crap because he said so. Those are the beliefs that really impact us later in life. The wounds heal because our body knows how to heal. The psyche doesn't heal because unless the, the process, unless the experience is resolved, it gets stuck somewhere in the body, mind, brain, spirit system, right? Emotions. So uh, so we go in and we we work with those traumatic memories and give the person relief from what was stuck. Awesome. Sounds great. <laughs> Oh, wow. Now, this has been such an amazing discussion. I truly, truly, truly appreciate you taking time and sharing your story because I know that it's going to make a huge impact. And also for sharing what you've learned over these years with others through, you know, through your program, uh, because I think that that's something, as you said, is going to make incredible impact in a ripple effect, because those 600 are going to be impacting, you know, tens of thousands, probably even millions of people, which is amazing. So thank you for that. Um, yeah. And thank you for not checking out back in 75. <laughs> You're very OG. welcome. <laughs> OG. OG. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. So we're at the point in the show where we do a tradition called fill in the blanks. Are you ready for fill in the blanks? Oh Lion. yes, it sounds like a game show. I'm ready. Do I get points? There's no prize. <laughs> Do there's I get money? Prize. Sorry, there's no prize. There's no prize. Um, <laughs> but... The prize, the prize is presence. It's always presence. Our presence here, not yes, presence on the outside, right? Indeed, indeed, indeed. All right. So the first one is: If I am fearless, I will. Can I elaborate a bit? Absolutely. Just, yeah, yeah. Okay. So. In my study of beliefs, when, when you look at fear, fear is actually the belief, I can't handle this. So if you go up to a, a roller coaster and you have the belief, I can't handle this, you're going to feel fear. If you have the belief, I can handle this, you're going to feel excitement. And they're very similar in the body, right? So if I wanted to be fearless, I would clear the belief, I can't handle it. I would take on the belief, I can handle anything that comes across, even if it's bullets. Right. And so that would make me fearless and it would give me the capacity to respond rather than react. And so if I had no fear, I would be able to respond to the world appropriately and with consciousness rather than automatic behaviors. Love it. Love it. Now, this one is similar. Um, so I'm curious to see what you answer here. To me, fearless freedom means fearless freedom means that I have tools that I can apply at any time in any circumstance to deal with whatever's in front of me. If it's scary, I have tools to deal with my fear. If it makes me angry, I have tools to deal with my anger and I can resolve it inside myself without striking out. If I'm confused, I have tools to relax and open so that my higher mind and intuition can work. So that's what I give people is a set of tools that they can use at any time in any circumstance that allows them, makes them more capable 
of dealing with life and becoming a creator in their life, creating what they actually want instead of, you know, what life serves them up. Oh, that's good. That's good. I like that. I like being a creator. So I'm glad that you're perpetuating that. <laughs> and then last but not least, my battle cry is Hanta Yo. And now you can tell us what that means. <laughs> uh, it's a Lakota phrase and it means clear the way. So if someone's riding in on, on their horse into the into the village and they have an important message for the chieftains, uh, they say, Hanteo, Hanteo, get out of my way. <laughs> clear the way. So oh, that's, so that's awesome. my battle cry. Yeah. It comes oh, out of a book it. called Hanteo, which is a fabulous book. Highly recommend it. Okay. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. 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 Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your time and your pearls and your sharing. We really appreciate it. We really do. Thank you. Thank you, Lion. Thank you, Dr. G. It's a total pleasure being with you today.